story is told of Arnold Palmer, who was invited to a convention of blind golfers. Uh, the golfers told how they knew where to hit the ball. Uh, one blind golfer explained that an individual with a bell would go over to the hole and stand by it and ring the bell. Uh, the blind golfer would then hit the ball toward the bell, and it seemed like it worked very well. Actually, the one blind golfer said to Arnold Palmer, it works so well. I want to challenge you to a golf match. Arnold Palmer was surprised, but said, yeah, let's do this. And then the blind golfer said, I'll tell you what, let's make it interesting. We'll do this for $10,000. Winner, take all. Palmer said, wonderful. What time do we tee off? The blind golfer said, 10.30 p.m. <laughs> you cannot see in the dark. This is why Jesus came, so that he could bring people from spiritual darkness to spiritual light. The Feast of Tabernacles was over. The day after that, Jesus went very early in the morning to the temple, there to teach. He's rudely interrupted uh, because scribes and Pharisees come in with a woman that they claim was caught in the act of adultery. They are planning to entrap the Lord Jesus Christ. They said to him that the law of Moses says this woman should be stoned. What do you say? Their idea was that regardless of the path that Jesus took, he would get in trouble. If he said, go ahead and stone her according to the law of Moses, then the Romans who were in charge of Israel would be furious uh, with the Lord. If, they said, if he said, free her, then he would be in trouble because he would be violating the law. So what did Jesus do? He stooped down and he began to write on the ground. Most people have speculated uh, at what Jesus wrote. And may I say that's not the important thing. Uh, if it was important, the scripture would have recorded what he wrote. Yeah, my best guess is he perhaps gave some of the Ten Commandments. Whatever it was, it brought conviction, as the law would do, uh, to those who were looking at the law. But the main idea is not what he wrote, but how he wrote. He wrote with the finger of God. And if you recall from Exodus chapter 31 and verse 18, that's how the law was written, with the finger of God. So as Jesus is doing this, those from the eldest to the youngest get convicted. And they started to leave one by one. See, the older people had longer to sin, so they understood uh, the power of uh, conviction. And as they left, Jesus was alone with the woman. Having said this, let me go ahead and read you today's text. John chapter 8, beginning in verse 12. Then Jesus spoke to them again, saying, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said to him, you bear witness of yourself. Your witness is not true. Jesus answered and said to them, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true. 
For I know where I came from and where I am going, but you do not know where I come from and where I am going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. And yet, if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. I am one who bears witness of myself, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Then they said to him, Where is your father? Jesus answered, You know neither me nor my father. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. No one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. Join me in prayer, please. Father, we thank you that your son is the light of the world. And we just ask that today as we examine another beautiful passage from the scripture testifying that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is the Messiah, that we would be encouraged, that we would want to imitate that greater light as lesser lights. Bless our study, I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me uh, give you point number one as we begin today's text. Jesus brings men from darkness to the light. Let me say that again. This derives from John chapter 8 and verse 12. Jesus brings men from darkness to the light. Think about the scenario here. The woman that had been caught in the act of adultery has sought the forgiveness of the Lord. She had been in Jesus' presence, and I think that's why Jesus says that her sin was forgiven, sin no more. And as she departs from the temple, uh, there she would leave uh, the entrance uh, on the east. She would be facing that bright Palestinian sun. And you've got to love this because now she had come in in darkness. And by the way, it was very early in the morning when Jesus went to the temple, according to John 8, 2. And now she leaves in the light. Uh, Jesus says very clearly in verse 12, I am the light of the world. This is the second of seven significant I am statements of Jesus. We saw the first one. John chapter 6 and verse 35, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Again, the I am goes back to Exodus 3, 13 and 14, where Moses seeks to know who God is. And God says, I am who I am. And three times the verb, hayah, appears in Exodus 3.14, it's the verb of being. It's the idea that God has always existed, and so has Jesus. So when he gives us the I am statement, he is equating himself with the Father. As John chapter 10 and verse 30 says, there I and the Father are one. Jesus is the light of the world. In John chapter 1 and verse 9, he is called the true light. He is the genuine light. And then in 1 John chapter 1 in verse 5, the statement about our God is this. This is the message 
which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light. That's the positive statement, that he is light. Now stated negatively, showing who he is, it says, and in him is no darkness at all. This is our God. This is the Lord Jesus Christ, absolutely pure, 100% holy. And now we are to be lesser lights. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 5. Matthew chapter 5 in the section uh, of the Sermon on the Mount from Matthew 5 to 7, we have the Beatitudes, those blessing statements. Then down in verse 14, Jesus says to his followers, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Our Lord Jesus is the light of the world. But he tags us and says, now you need to go and to be lights also. Then down in verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. That's who we are to be. We are to be imitators of the Lord. Now, over to the book of Philippians, please. Philippians chapter 2. Paul, who would have much to complain about as he's under house arrest, approximately 80, 60 to 62, gives us these words in verses 14 and 15. Do all things without complaining and disputing, that you may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. Jesus is the light of the world. And now we are to reflect that light to the world in which we live. Back in John chapter 8, notice the second half now of verse 12. Jesus says, He who follows me shall not walk in darkness. And then a strong contrast is given by the word but. But have the light of life. You might want to circle, underline, highlight the words shall not. It's an ume construction. We call it emphatic negation. It's the strongest way to say no way. Jesus says, he who follows me shall not walk in darkness. You see, if you are a true disciple of Jesus Christ and you're abiding in him, you cannot walk in the darkness. But what do you have? You have the light of life. Let me elaborate upon that over in John chapter 12. Would you turn there? John chapter 12. Come down to verse 46. John 12 verse 46. Jesus says, I have come as a light into the world that whoever believes in me should not abide, see, or remain in darkness. If you're walking with Jesus, then you remain in the light. So our first point as you're coming back to John chapter 8, Jesus brings men from darkness to the light. Second point, believe Jesus' true testimony. That's verses 13 through 15. Believe Jesus' true testimony. In verse 13, the Pharisee said to him, you bear witness of yourself. 
your witness is not true. <laughs> they want to catch Jesus with a technicality. They are referring perhaps to the Mishnah. The Mishnah were consisted of the oral traditions passed down that they wrote down and they made equal to the Old Testament law. In the Mishnah, it says, no man can give witness for himself. And yet, may I ask you, is not Jesus' testimony significant? Is he not the one in John chapter 2 who turned the water to wine? Is it not the Lord Jesus who engages the woman of Samaria at the well, points out her past life? You have had five husbands. And then he points out what's going on currently. And the one that you are now with is not your husband. He is the one who heals the paralytic, the man in that condition for 38 years. John chapter 5. John chapter 6, he feeds the 5,000, 5,000 men alone, perhaps 10, 15,000 people. And then he walks on the water. Not only that, but he forgives sin. That's what he had just done with the woman caught in adultery. Now, Jesus should never have his witness minimalized. Turn with me, please, to John chapter 5. John chapter 5. Jesus has many witnesses, but we should never discount his testimony. Down in verse 31, John 5 if I bear witness of myself, my witness is not true. Does that mean he's a liar? Certainly not. What Jesus is saying is according to the law, you needed to have two or three witnesses. Jesus is just acknowledging that truth. Verse 32, there is another who bears witness of me, and I know that the witness which he testifies of me is true. Speaking of the Father. 33, you have sent to John, and he has borne witness to the truth. Now referring to John the Baptist. Remember the one who said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Yet I do not receive testimony from man. But I say these things that you may be saved. See, Jesus did not need the testimony of men. He was a witness his father was a witness, but yet he used those things. Speaking of John in verse 35, he was the burning and shining lamp. And you were willing for a time to rejoice in his light. But I have greater, a greater witness than John's. For the works which the father has given me to finish, the very works that I do bear witness of me that the father has sent me. See, Jesus's miracles are significant. Verse 37, and the Father himself who sent me has testified of me, you have neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. Back with me to John chapter 8, please. Now down to verse 14, even if I bear witness of myself, my witness is true, says Jesus, for I know where I came from and where I am going. Jesus is worthy of giving testimony simply because he is God. Let me illustrate this for you. What if I told you, no one's ever told me 
But my name is Ken Burge, and I know that. Not only have I always known my name, I knew without anybody telling me where I was born. Pottsville, Pennsylvania. Not only that, I also know when I was born. September 19th, 1961. Mark the time, 9.08 p.m. Not only do I know all these things, but I know the future. Everything that will take place, I know. Now, that's not true because I'm human. But yet it was true of Jesus for he is God. He is deity. And then Jesus continues now in verse 14. But you do not know where I came from and where I am going. To use emphatic, the scribes, the Pharisees are lost spiritually. They do not understand the life of the Lord. Come over with me to John chapter 7. John chapter 7, down to verse 33. Jesus said to them, I shall be with you a little while longer, and then I go to him who sent me. You will seek me and not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. See, they didn't know Jesus personally. They did not know God because they rejected God's messenger, the Lord Jesus Christ. So therefore, unlike the thief on the cross, they would not be with him today in paradise. Come back to John 8. Jesus continues to confront these hypocrites You judge according to the flesh. They have a human standard based upon their fallen nature. Jesus says, I judge no one. By the way, the I statement here is emphatic in the Greek. What do you mean he judges no one? Well, think about it. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life for God sent not his son into the world to what judge or condemn the world Jesus's first coming is all about saving mankind his second coming will be very different in Revelation chapter 19 he will ride a white horse and have a two-edged sword in his mouth okay let's transition to point number three but let me just take you through the first two points briefly Number one, Jesus brings men from darkness to the light. Number two, believe Jesus' true testimony. And now number three, believe the joint witness of Father and Son. Verses 16 through 20. Look at verse 16 with me. Jesus says, and yet if I do judge, my judgment is true. For I am not alone, but I am with the Father who sent me. Jesus truly has a unique relationship with God. He had been with God forever and ever and ever. He, as a result of being eternally God and doing all things that please the Father, put him in the perfect place to be the judge of men. And by the way, according to John chapter 5 and verse 22, 
you and I will stand before Jesus Christ one day. Now, down in verse 17, Jesus acknowledges the law. It is also written in your law that the testimony of two men is true. Deuteronomy 17 and verse 6 and 19, 15. Leon Morris writes, The law accepts the testimony of two men. What shall we say then of the testimony of the Father and the Son? (laughs) Think about it. You could put someone to death in the Old Testament if you had two witnesses that someone had committed murder. We here have the testimony of the Father. Remember, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. We see the witness of Jesus. How can we deny the witness of both Father and Son? Verse 18, showing their unity. I am one who bears witness of myself. Now, interestingly, the I am there is the emphatic ago, a me. See, I am the one who bears witness of myself. He's eternally God. And he emphatically can give testimony about his own life and ministry. Then it goes on, and the Father who sent me bears witness of me. Now, take a look at verse 18 carefully. Two words in English, bears witness. You'll see that twice. Those two words from the English derive from one Greek term. Both times. The verb, which is the same, is a present tense verb. The idea is there is a continual witness from father and son alike. See, when you can't defeat someone's argument, what is often a response of wicked men? They attack the man. Ad hominem is what we call that, to the man. And in verse 19, then they said to him, where is your father? Either they're demanding proof from God the Father, or the implication here is that Jesus was born of fornication. Imagine how many miracles they observed, the witness of the Father, All these people bearing testimony, like John the Baptist. And yet they ignored all those things. And then in verse 19, John writes with a second class condition. Let me explain here in verse 19. If you had known me, you would have known my father also. If I wanted to explain this technically... The Protasis contains the two letters Epsilon and Iota, A. And then in the Apotasis would have Alpha Nu. <laughs> Said simply, this is a contrary to fact statement. So when Jesus says here, if you had known me, the idea is you didn't know me. See, if you had known me though, you would know my father also. The way to the Father through the Son. And later we'll study the John 14, 6 passage. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one goes to the Father except through the Son. It's amazing. It is 
simply amazing that these individuals saw the works of God and didn't believe. But remember what we talked about last week in John 6.35? What's the order? The order is that you believe and then you see. Sight alone will not save anyone. We are to express faith in what God does reveal to us through his word. And when we express faith, then God really shows us who he is. As we close out the account down here in verse 20, these words Jesus spoke in the treasury, probably not the treasury proper, but the part of the court of women, there were 13 trumpet-shaped boxes and they each had a label on them to collect offerings for different people or groups or needs that's what you had there so that's where these things transpire but yet it goes on to say and no one laid hands on him why it wasn't his time to be taken i read the story about rose crawford She had been blind for 50 years. She had a surgical procedure that was done in an Ontario hospital and and she received her sight. Once she could see again, she wept when the bandages were taken off and she could see. The tragedy is she could have had that same procedure done 20 years earlier. She did not know that the advanced medical practices were such that a procedure could have been done to give her sight. She could have had her sight at age 30. Are you still in the darkness? The scribes and the Pharisees are hard-hearted people. They had observed the words and the works of the Lord Jesus Christ. And they chose still not to believe in him. How sad that the light of the world had come in order to give them light, in order to give them life. I'm not sure what Jesus wrote when he was in the temple on the ground. Perhaps it was the law. The law was given for a reason. It was to show us the nature of God, but also to testify. No one can keep those standards. When we understand the nature of the law, it brings conviction. You shall not commit adultery, one of the Ten Commandments. Jesus adds to that from, John, from Matthew 5 and verse 28, that if you even look at a woman with lust intended, that you are an adulterer in your heart. Jesus stoops down and he writes on the ground and the spirit of God is at work and the woman who was a sinner caught in the act repents. She, and not even a word being spoken, really understands who Jesus is. He wrote with the finger of God. She came to faith. And as she left the temple, imagine she started in darkness, 
and now knew the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Have you put your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? Recognizing that he is the great I am. He is eternally God. His own testimony, all that he had done, shows that he's God. The Father acknowledges the Son. The words of Scripture testify from even the Old Testament pointing everybody to Jesus Christ. John the Baptist came as a witness. What do you need in order to be saved? Jesus finished the work. In John 19, 30, on the cross, taking your sin, by the way, as the one who fulfills the law, cries out, it is finished. Paid in full. You just now need to believe. That's the emphasis in John's gospel. 99 times, that's a lot of uses of the Greek verb pisteo, to believe. Believe in Jesus. Why? For God so loved the world, that's you and me, that he sent his only begotten son, that anyone, see, whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Right now, you can put your faith in your substitute, the one who went to the cross in your behalf, understanding now that he died for you and he conquered death. And Jesus will give to you the gift of eternal life. And for you, child of God, who know the great I am. Stay in his light. Walk with him. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we're walking in his light, we cannot be in the darkness. And the light is a great place to be. Can you imagine that guilt-ridden woman who comes into the temple by captors, those that either had set her up but had known what she had done, how guilty she must have felt in darkness that early morning. But then she left facing the sun. Come to Jesus Christ. He'll put you in a light. Continue to walk with him and you'll remain in that light. Let's pray. Thank you so much, Father, for the testimony that you have given concerning your Son. This is your beloved Son, in whom you are well pleased. And as it says later in Scripture, hear him. Lord, I thank you for the witness of Jesus Christ, the perfect life that he lived that he alone could fulfill the law in order to be our sin bearer. Praying today that many, many would come to Christ for salvation, believing in his death, burial, and resurrection. And Lord, for those of us who know you, help us to cherish the light. Help us to walk with you 
so that we shall not in no way be in a darkness. I pray in Jesus' name, amen.